Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Rashad Jennings, how's uh, how's life? I mean, you're 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 dancing with the stars. You're you're doing esports. You're breaking the game down. I don't even know where we began. I, I want to get into your life, how it all began too. But uh, first off, what are you up to? How, how you doing these days? I'm good. I'm real good, man. I'm chilling. I'm in California, moving to and fro, working on project after project. Just brought in Christmas, New Year's in Mexico. Um, came back across the border with a new dog because I'm a sucker for things that can't defend themselves. And I saw a little precious puppy, um, a German shepherd, and I already have one. So we'll hopefully we'll see if you got any, uh, any lover in them at some point, <laughs> if they breed with each other, but nah, man, life is good. I, I have literally nothing to complain about. That's great. So you say you just, you just saw a dog and picked him up. Yeah. So on the way back, I don't know if you've been to Mexico when you come back, right. To get in America yeah. is a long line in that line, you know, got a lot of people selling things, hats, souvenirs, you know, whatever have you. And I saw this guy come by with a dog and it was a lab. And uh, I'm moving into a new spot in San Diego. It has some, has some land. So I'm like, man, it would be nice to have another dog. So the one that I do have, his name is diesel. Uh, it's a German shepherd. It's a boy. That he wouldn't oh, be by himself and have somebody to play with. And I was like, nah, he might want to mate. I don't want to crossbreed. <laughs> so I asked the guy, I was like, hey, do you have do you have any Germans? I don't know. He said something in Spanish. Da, 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 da. Came back like 30 minutes later, because you know, we're in the line. And yeah. um, sure enough, he had two German shepherds. I picked one and here we are. Man, you got a big heart. I like it. It's Dude, uh I, I do. I got a heart for things that can't protect themselves, man. It's it's weird. My my wife has been on me. She she would uh 
be picking up all the dogs if I would allow it. So you're, you're a better man than me. I've been putting the, the kibosh to it. No, can't do it. We got two kids and a dog already. We, we can't be increasing the, uh, the population right now. Um, but hey, you know what? We, let, let's, let's start right off with the Giants of today real quick. I mean, I guess it's an elephant in the room. Things are not good with the Giants, as I'm sure you're well aware. Um, from afar, like, how are you taking in the dysfunction with the organization right now? And what's your read on it? I would say it's taken a little bit longer, a lot of bit longer than uh, most fans would want or expect for the team to put together a product that is competitive enough to make the playoffs, um, at least make the push and the hunt, something. Um, I left the last time the Giants had a winning season was when I was there. It was we went eleven and five. We went to the playoffs, played against Green Bay, coughed up a loss, and um, the following year, we, you know, all all morale is high. We had everybody coming back besides they cut two players. They let go of uh, Victor Cruz and they let go of myself. They added a ton of other players. And um, so it was obviously, like I said, high morale, high expectations. Boys just went to the playoffs last year. They went 11 to five. Um, it seems like they added more additions. And I think they went like five and maybe 11, three and something. Like it's just been a downhill spiral. Um, new coaches, new GMs, trying to find the right recipes to get everybody back in tact to go out there and compete. Got a freak of nature in Saquon Barkley. You know, put try to put uh, some receivers out there, Galloway, like making the right steps, but cannot put it together. Um, I I don't know the rhyme or reason. I'm not in the locker rooms anymore. I'm yeah. not in the uh, I'm not in the office. However, um, I do know that the Giants and I know the owners and they have championship mentality. So I know they, without a doubt, are going to figure out the recipe. Uh, to get everybody back in order. And I know that they're giving every effort they can to put everything back in order how they want. Um, it's just been unfortunate, man. I know that's the big question. Are they going to be willing to just fumigate the building in every way, right? Like get out the old, bring in the new. I think a lot of fans want that independent kind of voice to come in and get a read on the situation. Cause Gettleman was there before, right? It's all, it's usually, it's kind of somebody who's familiar. Somebody was there before, We'll see. I guess, you know, it's been bad, especially the last couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, Joe it's Judge. been tough. It's been tough, man. But um, at the end of the day, I always tell people as a player, as an athlete, as a pro, you have to <laughs> you got to find it with this out yourself to go out there and ball. Um, <clears throat> coaches call plays. Players make them or don't. Um, there has to be with inside the NFL a reason that a that a man wants to do a great job even if it's selfishly your selfish desires actually should benefit the team so um you i always looked at the makeup i get there's no i in team and i i get the uh the adage to to create team morality but i've always been a person of individuality first yeah. to be honest because you came in here by yourself and you're gonna leave by yourself um your choices though to create friendships, to create responsibility. That's that's on you as an individual. I hope as an individual you want to grow because that's what's going to collectively help the team. So I always preach individuality and 
11 individuals working together at the same accord, that's how you get a team. That's how you win. I don't like beating people over the head. Of, team first, man. No yeah. team first, man. You get cut. <laughs> you get traded. That yeah. stuff's a joke. Like, seriously, to I, I and I, I love fans, man. But the one thing about fans, they cheer for their teams. When I was with the Jacksonville Jaguars, right, <laughs> and we played against the Oakland Raiders. i never forget. We went to the Raiders um, facility, I mean, to the stadium, and I scored a touchdown in the black hole. And those fans reached over and gave me the biggest middle fingers from hell. Like, they hated me, couldn't stand me. And uh, through free agency, yeah. the next year I became a Raider. Those same exact fans came up to me in the same spot when I was warming up pregame. And it was like, Jennings, you remember us? We love you now. You were fuss. And I remember looking at them. I was like, these dudes are buck wild, but I love it. And, yeah. um, you know, and I laughed. Same exact guys, ones. Same guys. Same exact ones. The spike, shoulder pads, the, the tear face and everything. And um, I thought to myself, yeah, this reiterates how – they can't I can't believe people expect players to be loyal to a team like y'all cut us and get rid of us like you better you better off us being loyal to our standards and hope that we and, and create more standards in us but anyway that's a whole another psychology you're absolutely <laughs> right I mean you see it every year I mean the number one story all offseason right is uh is Aaron Rodgers and he's you know he's bringing the team out to pasture there's reports he wants to GM fired he wants to get out of there and this whole time I'm thinking, okay, well, we'll see what happens. If he, if he is there, if he is a Packer, all these fans who are pissed off, they're going to be cheering for him, right? As soon as that G's on the helmet, they're going to cheer for him. I mean, they go back to Brett Favre. I mean, when he was a Viking, they were booing the hell out of him. They hated his guts. Retires, time, little time passes. They're, you know, filling up a stadium for his induction into the team hall of fame. So um, it is, it is, everybody talks about culture in a locker room. That's the big talk right now with Joe judge and the giants. And I, I guess he's got to do that as a coach, but at the end of the day, you want, you want talent, right? I mean, you could, we can talk culture and, and it, it probably does matter in a lot of cases like Mike Tomlin. Absolutely. He's built a really good thing. Bill Belichick. There are good cultures in place. I, I get it, but I feel like there's teams like the giants are kind of in that general state of just needing better talent. And that maybe comes back to what you're saying. Like think about yourself at the end of the day, you, you kind of have to. Oh, I just lost you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you now. Oh, okay. Yeah, and like I said, if you collectively are, are looking out for yourself, and it, it goes down to this idea of loyalty. And I had this conversation, and it you, you probably laugh. Uh, I don't know if you're married or in a relationship, but I uh, was talking to my girl one day, and it was her and her friends, her sisters, and everything. And, uh, the conversation arose of her leading to ask me about loyalty. And she said, do you think I'm loyal to you? And uh, I said the worst answer. I said, no. Um, <laughs> I said, I don't believe people can be loyal to people, which was probably the second worst response <laughs> I could say at the time because she really didn't understand where I was coming from. So typical response, what? Like, who, what, something you gotta tell me, like all these things. And uh, I said, no, listen, my theory is this, loyalty. Humans cannot be loyal to humans. Loyalty to me is somebody's willingness to commit to their own morality. Now, what happens is I benefit from your loyalty and vice versa. It's like, what? I said, so look, 
I said, because again, I'm talking, you know, to my girl, right? So I asked, would you cheat on me? She said, no. I said, cool. I said, did you cheat on your ex? She said, no. I said, would you cheat on somebody else you were with? She said, no. I see it. That proves my point. You're not loyal to me. Your commitment to your morality is what loyalty is. And I just benefit from your loyalty to something else. Like now, that. vice versa. I There are some things that I, I would fight for my family. It's not just because it's her. It's because the position she, she benefits from my loyalty. So then I, t- I said, so take that philosophy and apply it to life. People aren't loyal to individuals. People benefit from people's loyalty. Uh-huh. And it became a, it became a, a, the conversation was way better. I'm glad I got a chance to explain it. Cause if you don't get a chance to explain she that, got it then. Yeah. She You're still together. still together. <laughs> That's great. And we benefit from each other's loyalty. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Any similarities to, to football then? Or did you see a, a, a parallel to that? I mean, I, cause you're right. A lot of, yes, there, there's a major parallel to football with that, man. And, and so again, it goes back to being loyal to a team. Um, you can't, it is impossible. You just benefit from that player. Yep. That's all because the names have changed. The faces can change, but the expectations never will. And I quote that one from, um, one of my favorite coaches to play under Tom Coughlin. He would always say that he said, I used to take notes from every day. He would give me a quote that was just like fire. And (laughs) one of the things he said before he left, um, retired slash fired slash however you want to break it down release whatever term you need to put it in there he said the that the um faces may change but the expectations never will and um i never forgot that it's tom coughlin really like i mean we hear about coughlin time and you know maybe we remember him at lambeau field with the red face but beyond that i don't know a lot of people know much about tom coughlin you're with him day to day out uh kind of coach what kind of human being was he really Dope, man. I love them. Uh, he was hard nosed. Uh, his favorite cuss word is ass. Um, <laughs> he uh, he's a family guy. He's definitely uh, old school. Um, there there isn't fluff about him. You know what you're going to get. I love them. I was used to that type of coach my whole entire um, upbringing through high school and college. My college coach, actually coach uh, Danny Rocco sat underneath uh, Tom Coughlin at the Jets. So he picked up his philosophies. And so I was used to it. I loved it. And then some other players, they have different stories to tell you about them, how the, why they don't like them, but I love the dude. It's great. Take it back to high school, if you can, Rashad. I think, is this true that you were a fifth string running back at one point oh. way back in the day? Chubby, not getting a shot. Don't – well. Where does it all begin for you? Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, I was fifth string, overweight kid, you know, glasses, asthma, 0. 0.6, uh, GPA at one point in time, and it was bad. I should have not, I should not be in the positions that I found myself in. I should not have been in the, in the NFL by far, based upon where I, where I was at. You would have never picked me to play kickball on your team. Uh, from from high school or pick last for pick up five basketball like I was never the guy um I had a complete 180 270 pounds is that true 
That yeah. big? Yeah, about 275 actually was the heaviest I've ever seen on a scale. Man, what yeah. happened then? Like, how do you go from point A to point B? Honestly, I, I luck, prayer, God opened up doors that couldn't be closed. Um, I always ask God to do things in my life that I can't take credit for. And he has. Uh, it's that simple for me. But I will say, I did put a lot of work in. You know, um, there's a quote that I, I really appreciate, and it's get on your knees and pray like it all depends on God. Get off your knees and work like it all depends on you. And I truly picked up that <clears throat> philosophy and took a 180 and started taking ownership and responsibility. I stopped blaming people. I stopped making excuses. Um, and I never turned back around and that, that philosophy and energy has followed me up to, uh, the successes that I found myself in up to today and will continue moving forward. But man, I, it all started though in high school, this is a quick story, like to yeah, go ahead. You know, zero it in. Um, when I say I never played, I legit mean I didn't play bro. So hold on, hold on one second. Let me get this. So when I tell you I didn't play, I mean, I used to come on the field with, instead of putting thigh pads in and knee pads in, I used to put in M&Ms, you know, Sprite, <laughs> some candy. I didn't wear pads because I never played. So I looked at his pockets and uh, it was a buddy of mine. His name was Speedy. He didn't earn his name at all. So me and him both suck. We sat on the sideline and had front row tickets to see the game. That's kind of how we saw it. Every Friday night, we were there live, having a good time. We high school. It is what it is. Now I'm a junior. I've never played. And it's the last game of the season. We're playing against a high school rival, Brookville Bees, with the Jefferson Forest Cavaliers. They have a shot to go to the playoffs if they beat us. We don't have a shot no matter what. So to us, it's like our Super Bowl. We're going to knock them out so they can't go. Yeah. Long story short, there's a Tennessee scout to come watch our starting running back. His name was Quincy Freeman. He was really good. And Brookville had another good running back that was going to go to college to play. He was good. Samuel Greer. He was really good running back. So the Tennessee scout is to watch them two go at it. We get the ball, kick off, catch the ball. Um, go, offense goes out. Very first play of the game. Our starting running back gets hurt. Now, my boy Speedy is excited. He's one of them dudes who's always amped for his buddies. So he's like, hey, Rashad, you might play today. I'm like, man, dude, get the heck out of here. They ain't going to put me in. Go back to eat my peanuts watching the game. Second string goes out. He gets hurt. First quarter. All this happens in the first quarter. It's well documented. I can't make this stuff up. Second, uh, Third string goes out. He gets hurt. You know, so speedy once again. Bro, they might actually have to play you. Like, dude, shut up. They ain't going to play me. Go back to eat my peanuts. Now, this the third string, when he got hurt, they retaped up the ankle of the first stringer went out there. He couldn't compete. So they're down to the fourth, put in a fourth string running back. Sure enough, he gets hurt. Right. So now we're down to the fifth, right? Speedy's over here flipping out, doing some cartwheels or something, thinking I'm about to get in. The coach scans the sidelines, catches eye contact with me, looks away, points at a wide receiver, tells him to get in instead of me. Oh, so part of me is, I'm pissed because I'm like, yo, that's my spot. I'm supposed to be going in. The other half of me is like, I ain't going in. I ain't getting hurt. Like everybody's getting hurt for some reason. So this wide receiver goes in, 
he gets hurt. They are stuck with nothing but me. Coach just screams, Jenna's getting the game. He's pissed. He doesn't want to put me in. I don't know what my helmet is. You know, it's just always on the sideline somewhere. So I just pick a random helmet up. It's too wobbly. I say, forget it. They're screaming, Jenna's get in. I buckle it up. And this mouthpiece is just dangling. So I'm like contemplating, should I use this? Nah, yeah, nah, nah. Jenna's getting the game. So I just rip the mouthpiece out, throw it down. It's not mine. And uh, I go in, we got white pants. Now all I have is residue on my pants of Skittles, M&Ms, you know, butter from popcorn. I go in there smelling like a concession stand and the teammates say, Rashad, what the heck are you doing in here? Like, look, man, we ain't got nobody, we gotta go. So call the play, first play, run play. Make one man miss, make another miss. 30-yard touchdown. First play ever. So I I, I throw the ball in the stands. Man. I get excessive celebration. I chest bump speedy. He falls to the ground, pick his roller tail up. It's a moment. They put back the third string. He couldn't compete like I was. I performed decent on one play. They put me back in, threw a series, I score another touchdown. Similar situation on defense is halftime. It's 14-14. Come back out halftime. Um, defense guys are getting hurt left and right. They put me in on defense. I come off the edge, sack the quarterback, he fumbles. I pick it up. Nobody's in front of me, 40-yard touchdown. Three touchdowns. So at the end of the game is 24-21, Brookville's winning. All they have to do is run the clock out, fourth quarter, minute left. They have the ball, and we have three timeouts. They run the ball, we tackle them, timeout. Run the ball, tackle them, timeout. Run the ball, no, shoot me, third down. Instead of running the ball, they got cute and decided to run a screenplay. Why? I don't know. They run a screenplay. I sniff it out. I intercept it. I score a touchdown. We win. <laughs> and I score four touchdowns, two on offense, two on defense, only played a total of 14 plays. That Tennessee scout was there to watch the starting running backs, came up to me after the game and said, hey, Rashad, um, I came to watch Quincy and Sam, but I couldn't help but to notice you. Son, you wasn't even on a roster. And uh, he said, well, how are your grades? And I looked at him. I said, sir, I have a 0.6. He said, he said, now you got to try to do some stuff like that. Like how you have a 0.6? Yeah. I didn't have any good answers for him. He looked at me. He said, son, you have potential. Get your grades right. Now, at that time, that was the first time somebody's ever looked at me in my eyes and said that you have potential outside of mom, dad, family you know, occasional nice people that's going to say it and it doesn't hit you. That hit me different. My two older brothers both were at that game to watch me sit on the sideline because they just wanted to support their brother. But I played. They were excited. They went to a private school to coach for free to help pay half of my tuition to go there. My parents took a mortgage against the home to pay the other half of tuition so I could go there. I went to a private school. I repeated my junior year. I took non-summer school classes, non-homeschool classes on top of the regular academics. And I stopped blaming people. I stopped making excuses. And the rest was history from there. I finally got a fresh start. It's phenomenal. I mean, it, you almost, it almost sounds made up, right? Like the Skittles, the popcorn, four touchdowns, the scout. 270, you're doing this at too? Yeah. Can't, I you're can't make this up, man. Moving and, and, and grooving like that at 270. Dude, you can go look up Rashad Jennings, a high school on YouTube, yeah. and you'll see when I transferred at the private school how big I was. So why did you even play football? It sounds like you really didn't even like the sport. Like, why were you out there to begin with, right? Like, why, why even on that sideline at that point? 
the, so I think it was just a way of life. My two older brothers played football. They were Brian Jennings was an all American. He was really good. Played tight end. He went and played with the, uh, he went to college at Virginia tech and played with the Titans, the Chargers, Patriots. Uh, my older brother played football. My dad was a football player. So I just grew up around it mm -hmm. and um, I always wanted to be like my brother. So that's yeah. what threw me in it. Uh, but no, I, I liked, I liked competing and I really didn't understand the game itself. I didn't understand the politics that go with it. I didn't understand how many parallels of life is in the game of football. I was just a knucklehead out there wanting to hit somebody because I was allowed to hit somebody and not get in trouble. So sign me up. <laughs> and then uh, you, you shed the pounds. I think you ran for, so you had this is at Lynchburg Christian Academy, right? Three over 3,000 yards, 56 touchdowns, and then it kind of took off from there. Yeah, and the rest was history. I went to the University of Pitt, Pittsburgh and um, ended up transferring because of my father's illness. Uh, he had to get a leg, hit one of his legs amputated at the mm. time. I transferred from Pitt to Liberty. Liberty's 10 minutes from my home, which is a very interesting story how that all happened. But um, and three years at Liberty, got a chance to get drafted took it never turned back made the most like i barely bro i barely slipped in at every level of my life yeah. to get to to transfer schools like it was at one day is why i transferred one day 14 plays just barely somebody was there then i transfer yeah. I, I i barely get by the ncaa clearinghouse because my grades were so bad i didn't go in the fall i had to go in in january um then I transferred. I was the last wave of kids that could actually transfer um, from one college to another college without having to set out. Um, I actually, I don't even think I graduated high school on time. Honestly, <laughs> talk is just can't do nothing now. <laughs> I honestly think that uh, I swear I saw a diploma come in from high school about three years ago officially three you years know. ago yeah i mean you can't do nothing now but I, so you're I not really sure if you even graduated i don't know i have yeah. no idea point six like you said you, you got to try hard to get a point six you know you do man i felt everything i felt every class and i got some funny stories about me and education but that's why reading is so important to me in writing that's why i became an author humble by becoming yeah. a new york Times bestseller um, I love writing. I failed every check this out. I failed every English class known to mankind in high school. I passed all my Spanish classes, but couldn't tell you a sentence. I don't understand how English works sometimes. But um, when I went to college, my first year, I became freshman writer of the year award winner at the University of Pittsburgh from a kid that failed every English class in high school in Lynchburg, Virginia. And I wrote a pay a 15 page paper about the word nothing you wrote 15 pages about the word nothing yeah true story man true story so how that happened is my first year in college you know first english class in college i go prepared i got on my backpack i got my little computer i got my glasses i'm ready to learn i ain't feeling no more again i got a fresh start i'm in college i'm here show up english uh the professor started off the class welcome to english blah 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 i'm your teacher blah 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 
just so you know, you guys have a 15 page paper due at the end of the semester, write about anything you want, put it in CLA format, blah, 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 class is dismissed. I'm like, yo, this is college. This is kind of weird. Left, came back the next, you know, the next two days, two days later, and then became a, a actual syllable class. We went through our work halfway through the semester. She did that same thing. Hey guys, welcome to English, blah, 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 blah. Just a reminder that it's a 15 page paper due at the end of the semester, write about anything you want, put in sale. And I was like, dang, I completely forgot about that. And I became, I became kind of uh, pretty good friends with the professor. So I thought I'd be funny. I said, you know what? I ain't gonna write about nothing. I'm gonna write, I'm gonna uh, staple 15 pages together, write my name on it, blank, turn it in, be funny, right? Just to be funny. And then I was gonna work on something. But I went home and I looked up the word nothing. And it's so intriguing. I wrote 15 pages about it. In one you literally wrote 15 pages. Word. You could break the, the word down. Like what what did you what did you write? Uh, oh, hey, listen, nothing can go any direction you want it to. So um, one example that I gave about the word nothing of trying to understand it abstractly, right? I took a philosophical route at it. If you were preparing for a brief, um at nighttime for the office in the morning. And you put together 10 pages for a brief. You put it in your briefcase, uh, you put it beside the door, in your umbrella, and you're ready for the day in the morning. You wake up, you shower, you get ready, you pick up your briefcase and umbrella, you get in an Uber, you go to work. Now, while you're in the Uber, you check your briefcase and you open it and you see all 10 pages that you worked on were present. That means that nothing is missing. If everything is present, then the word nothing, as in nothing is missing, what does nothing mean then? So then another, another perspective of it is if you go to a horror movie and you're with a friend and you start hearing these creepy sounds, right? And you're scared, you leave, and on your way to the car, it's dark, it's scarce, and you hear something, what was that? Nothing. Well, what? A nothing actually is an illusion in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Case, right? And so the word "nothing" we used it as a reference in the filler to describe something that we don't, in the English dictionary, have an explanation for. Um, I get. It. Or with being lazy. Hey, what you up to? Nothing. It's a lazy ref reference to say I'm not willing to, it's so many things that this one word actually means. It's almost like the cuss word, S-H-I-T. Like, <laughs> seriously, what does that word mean? <laughs> yeah, it kind of forces, it probably forced your brain to like take these twists and turns that you weren't expecting, which was probably the whole point of the paper, right? That they probably, you probably got a good grade. You got an A, one, yeah, one in the award by So yeah, we were That's good. right, yeah, yeah. Man, you said that there was a story. So when you came back um, home, oh, it was your dad. So he um, he had to have his leg amputated, you said? Yeah. Oh, my God. That had to be pretty uh, traumatic. I mean, to, to be there, though, with him, important. Um, what, what was that period of your life really like when you came back? That, that's, um, it was... It was something I felt that was right to do. Um, I was 19 years old at the time. My family had been there for me for 19 years. And 
I worked really hard to put myself in a position to go to a big college and I did. And I was a starter at Pitt. Um, at that time, it was only four other starters that were true freshman running backs that ever in, in an organization history, the program history. And that was Tony, Tony Dorsett was one of them. So it was cool to be in that category with his name. And now LaShawn McCoy's in there and a couple other guys. Um, but I transferred because I love family. I really do. And, um, you know, I found out that the world is round. You know, you do what's right. It'll come back to you over time. And I wanted to be home, help our mom, help our dad around the house. And, uh, you know, still I was able to go to college, get my degrees. I was still able to go to college, play football, and have my chance to go pro. So it was a win. Even though at that time, Liberty yeah. was like, heck, they were 1 in 10 when I transferred there. They were trash, dog trash. But I went there for a different mission. Yeah. You're right. Some things are bigger than football. And was he able to kind of get through that that hardship? You know, whatever transpired, was it – I, mean, I imagine he appreciated having you there for it. Yeah, it grew our relationship a lot, man. Me and my dad, we, we, we had some adverse rela uh, relationship growing up. He used to drink and smoke a lot, which triggered part of my asthma. Um, he was in the Air Force. PTSD really had his way with him. Um, my brothers are 10 and 14 years older than me. I was the whoops, here we go again. And um, I think he kind of checked out. And so our relationship was tough. And um, it's one of the reasons why, you know, I'm 36 today. I've never drank alcohol a day in my life. I've never smoked. Wow. And, you know, I had a heart to heart with my dad just, and it was just to prove him wrong. Um, I, when I was hospitalized, because of my asthma attacks, it was one particular time at the doctor's office or in the hospital. Um, the doctors brought in my pops and brought in my mom. And, you know, they knew that my dad had smoked in the house and around me. And they asked my dad, sir, you're going to have to stop smoking around your son. It's triggering his asthma. He heard that, long story short, two weeks later, we get out the hospital. And he's smoking outside, at least. Um, but about a week later, he's right back in the house smoking. And there was one day I was downstairs and I could smell the smoke seeming through the vents. I smelt it. I started choking up. I put a pillow over my face. I go upstairs, knock on my dad's door. Doesn't answer. I open it. He's in the corner drinking and smoking like he usually does. And I looked at him. He's about like 13 years old. Big, these big red rim glasses is over this fat kid, right? And just got out of the hospital. I move, remove the pillow. I look at him. I say, hey, dad, can you stop drinking and smoking and be there for me? And he took a puff of smoke, took a sip of his drink. He looked at me. And he said, Rashad, what you want to do when you get older? Now, I'm kind of excited because this is the first time he's ever asked me that. And I feel like I get to have a conversation with my pops. But I can see he was being arrogant. And either way, I take my opportunity. I said, Dad, I want to play running back in the NFL. And he took a puff of his smoke, took a sip of his drink. He looked at me and said, Rashad, you think you'd be able to make it to the league without drinking and smoking yourself? Like, kind of who are you to ask me in my own home? And I said, dad, just to prove you wrong, I'm never going to do it. And uh, <laughs> made it to the league, played running back, never drank, never smoked, just to prove him wrong. 
And it was, it was funny, man. And the irony of it is that grew our relationship so close. He ended up quitting drinking and smoking, watch his little knucklehead kid prove him wrong. Like we, that, that was a turning point for both of us. I reserved more years on his life. He gave me a new motive. And like, we became some of the best friends, man, because of those little heart moments. But, um, and because of that, I always tell people anger is one of the greatest fuels available. How we channel it, that's up to you. Um, I could have been very bitter. I could have been very distorted, discouraged, depressed. Um, I could have played the card of many different mental things. And but fortunately enough, I had two loving brothers that wouldn't allow that. Um, and then two, I turned that into fuel as a chip to motivate me to do what was right. Um, and I'm fortunate for that. I, I, I truly am. And um, so me and my pops was great, man. I, we, we lost them just last year um, before COVID. It wasn't because of COVID. Um, and, uh, you know, I was able to buy my parents a home, allow him to live in it and customize it for his handicap. Um, do some real amazing things, man. Um, over over the last fifteen years, we grew a great relationship. It's spectacular. I mean, that's. I mean, you had every reason to 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 be a victim. You were a victim, right? I mean, you could have really wallowed in your self pity, and we're not sitting here talking. Nobody knows who Rashad Jennings is, and who who knows where you go, right? If you go that that route, I mean, it, I imagine you're you're probably talking to young kids all the time about, about your story and about how it is up to you at the end of the day. Like you, you, you had these circumstances, your dad is doing this, but it, you have that conversation, you take matters in your own hands. Absolutely. You know, and I, I do, I grew up with pops in, my, in the house, but he just, he wasn't available, but he was there, um, you know, for, for a good period of time. And <laughs> at the, what grew our relationship was me going to him removing pride you know yeah. i fought for my dad's love for the longest time and i finally got it um and i have the hardest conversations with people all the time about not being a victim and it and it has and it, it doesn't start or stop with race um being a victim is a issue with a lot of humans <laughs> got that <laughs> you know right what i mean so um you know i'm not i definitely don't want that to be taken as a a race thing that's a human issue um and motivating people uh to take more ownership over their life responsibility over their life um to look in the mirror more for those um choices and answers instead of looking to point the finger that's something i stand on i always have it's one of the turning points of my life and which is why i started a football camp for kids called 180 because i took a freaking 180 yeah. And uh, so I get the secrets of life along with the tips of football. Big South conference record. Does it still stand? Um. Yes. Yes. Your, your record. 3,633 yards, 42 touchdowns. Yeah. Liberty. I'm surprised it ain't been broken. Actually, because I was only out there yeah, three years. What's what's more what when one record that I think will last somebody gonna break that one, someone to break my high school one. Hopefully, I think it's a kid there now. They got a shot. Um, he's a freshman, 
So he'll have four years to to try to work and break. Yeah, you were suspended a couple of games too. It looks like here too. Yeah, yeah. there's a couple of games you didn't get. You didn't get <laughs> the first two, um, which is a funny story. Uh, I, um, but yeah, man, it's one record that I, I. It's just a personal record. I don't think I'll ever be touched as long as we live. And I went to LCA, which played at Liberty University Stadium. I went to Liberty University for three years. So I played in Liberty University Stadium. So I've accounted for, I think, is 115 touchdowns um, uh, total in on that football field. So, yeah, it's high school and college combination, but it's still that record. Who scored the most touchdowns on this 100-yard duration of field? Yeah. Jennings, that's going to last forever. It's insane. So, yeah, can you say why you were suspended? Uh, you always hear about that in college, and it's always internal. It never comes out with anybody. Yeah. It always just stays. Once it, in a while it comes out. It was silly. Uh, so I was on campus. It's the dumbest thing. I'm on campus, and if you're on full scholarship and you stay on campus, you do not get um, funds for um, – what is it called? I forget the name of it, but basically for food. You don't get a stipend for food. I forget his actual term for it. But either way, any event, I'm on campus, so I don't get it. And I talked to my coach. I said, hey, look, I'm looking to move back off campus. I'm going to move back in the house. I want to stay on campus for one semester just to earn the respect of my teammates because it was some weird rules of liberty that you had to go through. So I didn't want anybody to think, oh, this big timer coming in. He ain't got to go through what we went through. So I went through it uh, willingly on my own just to show these guys, look, I'm part of the team. Um, so after that semester was up, I went to the coach's office. Hey, I want to move off. He said, go talk to the clearinghouse. I went to the clearinghouse on campus. I said, I want to move off. Um, when does the stipend kick in? They said, the stipend kicks in as soon as you turn in your key. When you turn in your key, you go through the system, blah, 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 blah. And then your money starts. I said, cool. Left. Never moved off campus because I had a situation happen back at home. My brother was going through a divorce. He needed, he needed to crash at the house. So I was like, ah, screw it. I'll stay on one more semester. So about, I would say, well, halfway through the semester, I went to check my mailbox and I had two checks. I look and I, I, I got two checks with my name on it. Hmm. I've been talking about a computer. Maybe this is an answer. So I'll cash the check, went and bought a computer. And then the next month I got another check. It's like, where are these checks coming in from? So I, I put two and two together. It's like, they might think I'm off campus. But I didn't turn in my key, so how would that happen? So anyway, I talked to my coach. I go up to him. I say, hey, coach, I'm getting some checks, and I'm not sure where they're coming from. <laughs> and um, because I didn't want to keep riding it out, right? And he was like, I don't spend any money. I said, I did buy a computer, and here's a check yeah. that I haven't cashed yet. I gave that to him. And he said, well... You might have to return the computer. I say, yeah, all right, whatever, no problem. Sure enough, like three days later, I get a call from the university. Somebody was just trying to do their job, I guess, really, really well without hearing the details. So they turned me in. I got turned in by my university to the NCAA clearinghouse. We could have handled it in-house. I could have just gave them the 700 bucks yeah. back. You know, it wasn't like it was you know, thousands upon thousands of dollars we're talking about. And is there a fault? I'm being a eight, 19-year-old kid cashing the check. They got my name on it. 
<laughs> he gets but suspended, suspended for two games. It's like – And it was the best you know, thing that ever happened to me, man. I tell you, Tyler, it was the best thing that happened to me because be, the fact that I was suspended the first two games me, meant that I couldn't train with the team that whole offseason. Oh. So it wasn't just a, the first two games. I could not train with my team the entire offseason, which made me work with on my own. I found a track coach. I found a, a different strength coach. And I was the fastest I've ever been in my life because I trained with them. And it taught me a different style of running. So that was a blessing in disguise. It's that, uh, that panned it out to, in my favor. That is crazy. Yeah. I mean, who knows, who knows if you're in the NFL for, you know, close to a decade without that, if without that suspension, like it's it helped kind of jumpstart it in a way. So like Jacksonville, Oakland, the giants, I mean, everywhere you've been, you know, for after college, you were productive. You know what I mean? It's I, it, it, just thinking back to random games and moments. It's just seemed like every time you were on the field, something good happened and you you'd perform and kind of move on, perform, kind of move on. But you did get that contract. So that'd be pretty sweet when you got to the Giants. You finally got paid, finally got rewarded, were finally, like, valued. But what, what NFL memories um, from 09 to 16 do you still kind of cherish to this day? And any of those yeah. three stops? Yeah, I appreciate that. I, um, one of the main ones is just when my dad was able to come out and watch me play. He, he rolled, came out on a wheelchair. Uh, my family surprised me. He showed up. Um, I think I had a broke a personal record that day too. I think I ran for 170 some yards and the touchdown and played against the Texans. But I set a PR every time I play against the Texans. I don't know why they could never figure. Every time, no matter which team I played with, every time I played them, I think I think I might have rushed. I think I played them yeah four different times, and I think I probably total ran for like close to 600 yards total. I, they could not figure me out to save my life. I don't know why they didn't pick me up a free agency. Yeah, I was going to say, like, why didn't they just sign you? <laughs> Every time we played them, I broke a PR. Uh, so it was good to have him there for that. Oh, the Hail Mary play that I witnessed when I was in Jacksonville, David Garrard threw it to Mike Thomas. That was crazy to, to witness. Yeah. Everybody left the stands. He just threw a Hail Mary. It fell right in Mike Thomas' hands. We won. It was it was a surreal moment to witness that. Um, another surreal moment was watching Odell Beckham Jr. turn into a celebrity overnight in front yeah. of the world. Like, that's what's dope. Man, I got to see. So, Odell is, uh, he came in as a rookie, right? And um, he was injured. And now he's trying to figure it out. <sighs> he, he, how to take care of his body and the do's and don'ts. Um, you know, I kind of took him under my wing a little bit when it comes to how to take care of your body. Now, I, I'm not, I don't take no credit for that man's talent, but, I, you know, pulled him aside. He was starting to, you know, come warm up with me before practice, uh, stretch a certain way. I gave him a little warm up routine, like, and I started to see him elevate and become more comfortable with the game. Like this dude was unreal dominant. Like I've never seen an athlete up close and personal be able to do what he do outside of Justin Blackman, which is a sad story. Dude, I got to see two wide receivers that was unreal. Odell Beckham Jr. and Justin Blackman. Justin Blackman, 
he might be if he would have if he up here if he could have played he might have been broken way more records <laughs> than a lot of other people but um he's just written off as like it never was you know i don't know if anybody realizes that so he could have been he could have been special like you saw moments in him yes yes one of the best i've ever seen um but he just has some hardship going on and uh things outside of the lines of football but odell i just watched him grow as an as an athlete and like kind of figure it out um and it's cool to see it's really 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 cool to see and watch a puppy grow up you know what i mean like i got a little puppy it's cool to watch them grow up and become their own you know you don't take credit for it but it's just neat to see and i got to see odell become this celebrity um i think it was a time after he made that catch I remember what before we went out to practice, he had like a, maybe 600,000 followers. We come back out of practice as a million point something come out of a meeting two hours later. Now it's close to 1.5 million. The next day it's like 2 million. Like I watched the world start to watch this kid and uh, he locked it right beside me. So it was, it was cool to see it all transpire. I don't know if there's many in my lifetime, how many, um, athletes in any sport just became celebrities overnight like that i mean really with one play like one play yeah. one moment and then boom just like that the world knows who you are right total back yeah it, that'd be insane to be there with him through that bro new york right time and his personality he loves the camera and the camera loves him it works is a great marriage he's he knows what he's doing he's a great athlete good kid funny uh he loves people like there's a lot of great things to say about him that the, you know the media never really covers about the kid but you know um it's it's been fun it's been fun from a distance watching the, watching his career grow and then him as a person and then too he's a freaking rock star he's not just a a really good athlete people follow he's a rock star fashion like hip-hop culture like he's not just a football player and why people follow him so it's uh it's beneath yeah. i get you know he's he's out of cleveland now he's with the rams we're gonna he's got an opportunity right i mean I, how much left does he have to give you think um oh a lot. I, think anybody, he, I think any, he's just getting cooking yeah to be honest with you i, I think he's just getting cooking i think adele is smart our conversation we had he is very he's a smart man he understands business, and I think personally, I don't know this, but I would assume him getting how football works is his best commodity is being healthy. In Cleveland, he didn't tax his body but so much, honestly. It was a lot of, you know, he was battling some injury getting back. Um, that gave him rest. Um, he didn't have the prosperous career as he could have in, 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 in with the Browns that gave him more rest. Um, I think mentally he probably, uh, was drained more than physically while he was in Cleveland. Now he's somewhere mentally, he's probably enjoying himself. He's on the West coast. Plus he's still young. He's still Odell. He's still a freak of nature. Um, he's still a team player. Anybody that's played with him has nothing bad to say, just media. Um, he's loved in that locker room. Sean McVay knows how to work with young players. And I think he may have found a home and a combination of other athletes in there that he could play as long as he wanted, man. 
Interesting. I think he's been written off really by most people. I think if, if that's the outcome, it would su- probably surprise a lot of people if he yeah. turns into what he once was and then some. Yeah, I think I think he's going. What he's going. I think he's going to just be that consistent, established player that has production, and because of who he is, is going to make it um, seem more than what it is. But yeah. I think he will be a player as long as he wants to and um, compete. Super Bowl prediction for us here. Who do you got? Would you go that far? So I'm biased. I, I like the Arizona Cardinals. I've always been an Arizona Cardinal fan since I was six years old. Um, so I'm glad we got something moving over there. So I'm biased there. However, um, you can't write off Brady. You can't write off the Rams right now. Um, I don't think anybody wants to play Cincinnati. Um, they figured out something there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Uh, the Cowboys have pound for pound one of the best offenses. It's now, I don't know what Dak's been doing lately, but uh, I'm pretty sure he'll figure it out. So you got the, you got Kansas City, that's Kansas City. So it's wide open this year. I've, it's hard to predict, man, on this one. Yeah. Um, and the Colts. Yeah, it's it's matchups too, right? Like it. I mean, I live here in Buffalo, New York, and I mean the Colts just physically dominated the Bills. But but then now now the Bills are rolling. Now Josh Allen, I mean he's running over people himself. Um, they're scoring at will, one way or another. That the defense is doing enough. So who knows if they were to face again, what would happen? I, I it's been like that all year though. This the, yeah. this, this whole season's just been kind of batshit crazy week to week. So whoever's gonna win is whoever picks up Antonio Brown. That's who's gonna win the Super Bowl. That's my. <laughs> That's pretty crazy situation right now. I mean, it's like they're not. I don't know when people will be listening to this or reading this, but right now, like he's he's on the team, but they're not they're not release. It's, it's like if you don't want him, release him. I'm kind of interested to see if another team will take a chance on him. Yeah, I, I don't like what. Uh... Uh, head coach over there said he said he's no longer um, a buck that he wanted to talk about the players that were here. Respectfully, I understand that. It's, he's I get coach, that, right? You know, but which we all saw. What we saw that was you right. know insane, but totally let- understand that as a head coach. But you lied, and because um, he's still a buck, so <laughs> yeah. that's a call. That's just not the truth. All right. Um, now I can't call it a lie because I don't know if he deliberately said that he probably sincerely with all his heart is like, he's done. So I can't necessarily say it's a lie. It's just not the truth. So, uh, that's tough. I I wish they either, either let him go or let him play. Um, I'm not mad at AB at all. I personally, I'm not, he left the game. He was mad. Who knows why I wasn't there. You wasn't there. We can speculate. There's rumors about him not they them they're trying to hold his incentives um so then someone would argue if they are trying to hold your incentives why wouldn't you go in the game to produce well some he's hurt he's injured if you go out there and not and, and injured and you get hurt then you can't perform to get your incentives you get let go they can cut you as the these all these weird rules that come into yeah. play who knows so i'm not i'm not getting into that detail but uh I'm not going to judge him on his past. The man left the game and wanted to go home. I ain't mad at him. That's just that simple. I'm not mad at AB. 
Very, very normal. I wouldn't very have done normal it. But... Exit from a game. Yeah. 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 Happened very all the normal. time. Yeah, I mean, he 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 exited. It'd be different if he went through the stands or something. That man went to the locker yeah, room right? and was trying to get a flight up out of there. Look, I've been inside of a movie theater before, and I got tired of watching the movie, and I left. There you go. No big deal. Yeah, it, it, to, to me, it ain't a big deal that he didn't want to play anymore. And so what are you going to do, sit on the sideline and, and irritate people? Like. I don't well, it is on Tampa Bay. Like you should know that the, the, you shouldn't be surprised if something like that happens with Antonio Brown. Really, whether justified not just whatever. Like he's, they you, you know what you're it. taking on. Yeah, you, you signed up for it. Yeah, hundred percent. You're not getting in the ring with Mike Tyson and and and, and confused while you get knocked out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not mad at AB man. I hope uh, and people like to. Just, quickly talk about his mental health and how he's this and that man ab for all we know could could be a genius and he got everybody else tripping um he could have a master plan behind all this he could have a brand coming out it ain't no telling what ab could be doing so i'm not going to judge that man at all i hope he's good hope he's healthy hope he gets picked up i hope he uh does what's right for his family um, because at the end of the day, everybody else's opinion is not going to matter. I just was hoping he'd pull a George Costanza and just show up to work like the next day. You know, like nothing happened. Just pretend like yeah, this. That's just... what I want. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd be funny. I want to see a show out of it. <laughs> hey, man, this this has been unbelievable. I can't thank you enough. Where, where can people find you? What are you up to? We didn't really get into, uh, you know, what you're doing today, but um, what should people know about retirement yeah, so these days? I'm, uh, I'm at Rashad Jennings on every single platform available. Also, follow me on Twitch, uh, Rashad Jennings, 23. Uh, I, I will be streaming and uh, co-streaming, co-hosting Thursday night football games uh, all next season. I am hosting the um, the wild card, too. I think it's the 16th or the 17th of this month. But, yeah, tune in. Just go to twitch.com and uh, type in Rashad Jennings. You'll see me. chopping it up with football in the background so i'm having fun with life i started an esports organization and so if y'all can game if you consider yourself a gamer hit me up we did uh one of these with amon green recently man he's teaching it out there in uh sheboygan wisconsin so i didn't even know you could teach this stuff in college it's it's blowing up it's huge Uh, yes sir all right well everybody find rashad and and man hey we can't thank you enough for for doing this that was that was a lot of fun thanks for taking an hour here Oh, for sure, man. We'll talk to you. You got it, man. Thank you. Peace.